On August 19th, 2017, Britney Spears performed a live cover of Bonnie Raitt's Something to Talk About. Now, why did the Princess of Pop choose to cover the song? On this episode of the Original Doll Iconography, we deep dive into Britney Spears, Bonnie Raitt, and songwriter Shirley Eichardt. Welcome to the Original Doll. I'm your host, James Rodriguez. On the Original Doll, I unpackage music with the people who create it, and we tell the stories about how songs are created. And at the same time, we help out charity. For more information, go to theoriginaldoll.com. A big shout out to my Patreon patrons. Thank you so much. You are a fantastic community. To join my community, go to theoriginaldoll.com. And don't forget, if you're enjoying all of these interviews, all of these stories, make sure that you rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. We're going to get right to the story and as with every episode of the original doll any audio recording ripping stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world so if you see anything leaked please report it to the webmaster now on with the show this is the original doll iconography i'm your host james rodriguez Why did Britney choose to cover the song? Throughout her entire career, there has always been comments and criticism of whether she's lip syncing 100% or whether she's relying 90% on backing tracks. Well, she had something to say to those people. Britney said, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. This morning I woke up, looked at the news, lots of things going on in the world. And then she talks about the media. She says, one minute they tear you down and that's really horrible. The next minute you're on top of the world. But I've never really spoken about it. I'm a Southern girl. I'm from Louisiana. I'm from the South. And I like to keep it real. So I just want to make sure I keep having you mother something to talk about. And started singing something to talk about. Now let's rewind back to 1983. Bonnie Raitt was dropped from a Warner Brothers Records roster for her two previous albums underperforming. The decision to drop her came 24 hours after she mastered her forthcoming album, Tongue and Groove. At the time, Raitt was dealing with drug and alcohol abuse. Like with the band The Jets in the previous episode, Warner was trying to cut back on costs throughout the label. They were removing artists that they didn't deem profitable. Warner Brothers told Raitt that they would release the album even though Raitt was no longer on the label. She was livid that instead of the label allowing her to make and take her music with her, her art to another label, they were keeping it. After discussions, Warner Brothers allowed Raitt to go back to the studio to make some changes to the album. At the label's request, Raitt had changed her song Excited, written by Jerry Williams, to have less of a reggae beat, as the label thought too much of reggae sound would not be commercial. Ray thought if she cooperated, then maybe the label would promote the album just a little bit more. They did not. She was still dropped from the label. As we discussed in the previous episode with Dolly Parton, owning your master recordings is important. The label offered Rate the ability to purchase her masters, but the price was too high, $500,000. The album would be shelved for two years, Bonnie Raitt would continue to tour so that she was able to make money and keep her name in the spotlight. The album would be called Nine Lives, and it would eventually be released 
two years after its completion. In 1987, during her tour to support the album, music icon Prince had seen a show and offered Rate a recording contract on his Paisley Park Records label. Prince reminded Bonnie of his history of working with women and working as a live singer and instrumentalist. Rate was thrilled and agreed to sign. According to the Washington Post, the partnership was delayed when Bonnie Raitt injured her hand skiing and was sidelined for two months. By the time it healed, Prince was embroiled in his Sign of the Times film and extending his European tour. Worse, he had asked Rate to cancel her lucrative summer tour, which she did. Now, as many people know, this is where artists get their money from touring. It was a long summer, Rate said. We never really got a chance to work together, and then he never called. That was the kind of help I needed. I didn't actually need that sort of help. I enjoyed those few days together. But frankly, I needed to get on with my own career. But the brief encounter with Prince did start rate on her road to recovery. You see, by the time Prince's contract had officially dissolved, she was six months sober. In 1989, Bonnie Raitt would release her first album with her new label, Capitol Records, and the album would be called Nick of Time. The album would be a commercial smash, going number one in the U.S. on the album charts, selling over 5 million copies, and would win three Grammy Awards. In 2003, Rolling Stone magazine would add the album on their list of 500 greatest albums of all time. In 2020, Britney Spears' Blackout album would also be featured on that list, with Blackout, featuring the hit single Gimme More, being ranked at number 441. Nick of Time gave Bonnie Raitt crossover appeal. Many genre radio stations had not known who she was up until that point. The album opened the door and the expectations began to rise for her follow-up. Raitt had finished the follow-up album, which would be called Luck of the Draw. As production of the album was ending, Bruce Springsteen, a friend of Raitt's, asked if she had a single for the album. She did not. He advised her not to release the album until she had a single. Bonnie Raitt, much like Britney Spears, has given opportunities to songwriters and producers. Neither have been shy about singing songs by other people. Celine Dion has talked about this as well. Many vocalists feel that if they aren't the best songwriter, why try to become a writer for every song of yours when there are talented songwriters who would prefer to stay behind the scenes? Sadly, this isn't as common as one would think. There are many pop stars who take credit and receive equal writing credit for adding an Ooh, in one place. Then there are other pop stars who will edit a song but not take credit for that, as they feel that the song is the songwriters. Kelly Clarkson has been praised by many songwriters for being collaborative in the writing room but never taking credit for a song that someone else had written. She's a real queen. Back to Bonnie. She went through all sorts of song options and came across something to talk about. Raitt had received a tape with several songs on it written by Shirley Eichhardt. Bonnie said the minute she heard the song, she knew she wanted it. She knew that it was going to be a hit. She knew it was the single she was looking for. Bonnie called the number that was on the tape after she recorded the song. She then played the song to Shirley Eichhardt over the phone. So how did the song get to Bonnie Raitt? Well, Canadian Shirley Eichhardt wrote the song when she went to Nashville in 1985. Yes, six years before it was released by Bonnie Raitt. Shirley's goal was to write a hit song. She wrote 16 songs in six weeks. Right before she left, she had a song on hold by the Pointer Sisters. She was excited. During the six weeks, she came up with something to talk about in 20 minutes. 
Tree Music, a publishing company, loved it. However, they couldn't really find anyone to cut it. Eichhardt went home back to Canada, and she sent it to Anne Murray, who had that song on hold for a year. In 1986, fellow Canadian recording artist Anne Murray was set to record something to talk about and add it on her upcoming album. However, her producers felt the song was not going to be a hit, so it was not included on the album. Although, oddly enough, she named her album Something to Talk About without even including the song. This was not the first time Murray would sing a song written by Eichhardt. As a matter of fact, in 1971, when Eichhardt was just 15, she wrote a song called It Takes Time, which was recorded by Anne Murray. It would top the charts on the Canadian RPM Adult Contemporary chart. The next year, Eichhardt herself would release a version of the song, and it would chart in the top 10 of the same chart. Shirley's success would continue in 1972 and 1973, when she won back-to-back Juno Awards for Best Country Female Singer. The Junos, for those who don't know, are the Canadian equivalent to the Grammys. Eichhardt's Something to Talk About would wait for six years until she received that call from Bonnie Raitt in the winter of 1990. Bonnie Raitt described her experience with recording the track as like hitting one out of the park, my first number one. Eichhardt said that Raitt recording the song was a dream come true. In 2020, Shirley Eichhardt's Something to Talk About was inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, where it will live in the National Jukebox in Calgary. So you see, a song doesn't necessarily become a hit the first time it's recorded or within the first year. Bonnie Raitt had ups and downs, personal highs, professional lows, and yet she still continued to perform. She would go on stage and perform much like Britney Spears. All three of these artists have had careers that lasted for decades. The thing to keep in mind is each one of these artists, their voices are completely different, and yet the songs can make you feel like it was written for them specifically. So I wanna ask you this. Have you heard those three different versions of the song? Let me know. Send me an email, theoriginaldoll.com, or on Instagram. And don't forget to rate the show on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Now, we do have some updates since the original airing of this episode. Sadly, Shirley passed away in December of 2022, almost a year after she lost her partner. But the legacy of Shirley lives on. This is an iconic song by three iconic individuals. My name is James Rodriguez. I'll see you on the flip side. The original doll.